And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. The prequel trilogy is over, and millions of fans are left without Star Wars. Enter a brave group of Jedi, led by Dave Filoni, who brought tales of the Jedi, clone armies, and Mandalorians to Cartoon Network, thus keeping hope alive in the galaxy. Welcome to J-Guys and Jedi! Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of Star Wars The Clone Wars. In this episode, Trace makes a rash decision after learning what they're transporting for the Pike Syndicate. There will be Anakin and Ahsoka connections, Rafa versus Ahsoka morality, and Trace making some rash choices. We're talking deal no deal this week. How are you doing, Chris? Good. I know. I, you know, we were talking about before. It's it's so weird not having a guest because we've had guests the last two weeks. I know. Such, such great guests too. I mean, like Butcher and Robbie are super sweet, and Brian was such a great host. Like I host was such a well, great you guest. Ju- you just were on his show where he was a host, so he, he you're is a host. Thinking, yeah. You're thinking of him as a host right now. I'm still doing that. Well, actually, by the time this episode comes out, that should be completed. Um, but yeah, I am I am guesting for at least four weeks on Pink Milk. So we're oh, wow. oh gosh, we are having such amazing conversations. It's it's so guys, take what me and Brian did last week and then times it by twenty with an even bigger panel. Like that's that's the kind of conversations we're having about the Mandalorian right now. How many and, people you got on the, the how many people are on there? See, there's Mark Mark. Toby and Kettle Matt, M, Scott, Ian. Oh, wow. So, nine? Wow. Holy cow. Yeah, yeah. And, like, we were having a discussion about how, like, the systemic problems of education set up, like, in the foundations of our our culture and and our country have been affecting, like, teaching queer kids about queer history and how it's a power play while tied into the Mandalorian. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask you. Where where was the, how did this, is was this about the Mandalorian homeschooling the child or something? It was about the Mandalorian <laughs> not knowing what a, a Jedi was. Oh, okay, okay. So, like, and, and tying into, like, the how Palpatine took over with, like, a lack of education, uh, with a lack of communication and education and wiped out the Jedi in 30 years. Um... But it's the same thing, like, we, because we have two youngins on our show. We have uh, Toby and Kilomet. And Toby, it was, I, I was, I'm the one that pulled them onto the panel because Toby, I used to be Toby's manager at the comic book store. Um, and they were like, yeah, we've never learned about Stonewall. We had to teach ourselves about Stonewall because we were never taught in school. Um, and it's kind of the same way with the galaxy. And we actually saw it, like, in these episodes, like, last week with Trace. Like, she was like, I don't even know what the Jedi do. And didn't they start the war? And it's no, it's just a misinformation thing that's actually done by Palpatine, who's the structure and power to keep hold of power. Um, and we tied that back to like our normal education system about how like people found out about the Tulsa race massacre through Watchmen. <laughs> like, so we're, we're having those kinds of conversations over there. And it's been 
we've we've already done two weeks and it's already just so good so intense and so vulnerable but so so enriching like I've just in two weeks I've fallen in love with all these beautiful people and I'm just so proud to be part of this panel um so by the time this episode comes out yeah yeah, we should be done so look up Pink Milk guys um and talk about the Mandalorian because we are having just such good such a good time I'm really looking forward to it every week now (laughs) I wish I could go on forever (laughs) how was your week it would last forever and ever my week is pretty good I uh Scored a ball a six string balalaika today. Oh, oh wait, I'm sorry, what? A six string balalaika. Oh it's unusual is as, as in they're usually like three strings, but this one's no, a six no, string. No, no, no. I thought you said a six I, I thought you said a six string bottle of lighter fluid. And a six string bottle of lighter fluid, I've been drinking it all day. I, I was like, is is Six string like a like a company that makes lighter fluid. <laughs> like, I was so confused, but I know what you're talking it's about. A Go on. Ins- it's a triangular musical instrument, a uh, folk instrument from Russia, and it usually has three strings. Although this one was made in Germany, and it was sitting by the side, sitting, it was sitting down the street from a music shop, sort of hidden in the bushes, like off the side of a pedestrian bridge and like sort of like hanging out in the bushes and like my roommate's like what's that and I'm like let me go check that out and I looked at it and I'm like well somebody wasn't playing it because it's missing its bridge and it's missing a string and it's not tuned obviously because it's missing its bridge oh, and so it's not like some kid was secretly hiding it there or something yeah going there to practice and walked away for a few minutes or something it was it was in a very it was in a very sketchy it was like in a footpath that's sort of like, I don't want to say it's a sketchy footpath, but it's just like, you know, it was sort of like, like stashed in an out of the way place. And right down the street is a music store that sells instruments. And I was like, you know, this looks like it walked away from, you know, maybe it was, you know, they put it down outside for a second at the, at the, at the, at the store and somebody so we went down to the store and brought it in and asked them if it was theirs and they'd never seen it before and uh so then i was like i don't want to take it back it looks like it's gonna rain yeah so now it's mine that's so cool very similar (laughs) very similar to how i got my mattress (laughs) you're just really good i wish i was that good at finding like random cool stuff on the street you have to you have to well there there's there's keys to that you can't live in any kind of like i've been like from what i've seen down south it's it's slim pickings in a lot of places because you have a lot of suburbs and suburbs are new you know i mean they might have been some of them have been around since the 60s but for the most part they're new and you don't just have like you know where you have places where houses have sat for with a family in them for a hundred years and stuff, you get all sorts of weird stuff hanging out. We also uh, like when you do get stuff like we have so much humidity. Even during the winter, we can have some pretty at at not all the time, but at times some like really high humidity. So if something sits out longer than like a day, it's just drenched and ruined, especially if it's wood. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't really want anything that's been sitting outside. <laughs> so. It's even worse in Florida. 
Yeah, it's a, it's it's really neat looking. I mean, I don't think it's worth anything. It's not built especially it's obviously it was built like in a factory and it's not like some hand built rare rare balalaika. Uh-huh. It's probably like the cheapest one you could probably buy, but it looks awesome. It's got like triangular and it's got seven panels in the back of it and it's yeah all weird exotic looking that's so cool and it sounds easy to play all i have to do it looks like all i have to do is buy new strings for it and buy a bridge for it which is basically just a piece of balsa wood with a couple notches cut out of it mm. so it, they're like you know 250 at a music store so if i get it going i'll uh i'll uh bang out a quick tune for one of our shows hmm. <laughs> well you ready to talk about the episode <laughs> yeah, yeah let's do it did you like this one it was okay this might I, I don't know i i yeah i didn't like it as much as the last episode for some reason well i, if I, I have my reasons <laughs> actually it's not something i can actually put my finger on what i, I don't like, like about the, it uh i like the character work of last episode but i like the story of this one more I, I like the morality that's going on here. I, I think this one's a lot more complicated when last week was a lot more... This was a lot more complicated in the galaxy sense. Last week was a lot more personal, which are two different kinds of stories. Um, so I think I like last week just slightly better too, but that's not saying I don't love this episode. I love this episode. I've been really enjoying revisiting this arc. <laughs> Yeah, I've got I've got some I've got some critique I've got some critique mostly about mostly about Trace's character. I will fight you and I will defend her because I am ready to do that. <laughs> well, let's put it this way: the writers of Trace's character in this episode. <laughs> well, we'll get into it. You ready? Yes. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Deal No Deal is the 127th episode of Star Wars The Clone Wars, and it aired on March 27th, 2020. Blah, 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 blah. I was about to say 2013 for some reason. That's a long time ago, I hope. Yeah, it was probably because of Gravity Falls, because so far those have been like 2013. Because remember, the Backstreet, uh, the NSYNC boys were like, 2013! (laughs) It was written by Dave Filoni and Charles Murray and directed by Stuart Lee and Nathaniel Vanilla, uh, Villanova. Nathaniel Villanova. Some extra information for you. This episode actually takes place right before the Bad Batch arc, since Anakin is still stationed over Coruscant. The Bad Batch arc is part of the Outer Rim Sieges campaign, one of the last campaign of the Clone Wars that was also mentioned in Revenge of the Sith. This is just before Anakin left for that arc. The background characters of this episode are voiced by Clone Wars Rebels and Resistance voice actors. Fife is voiced by Dee Bradley Baker, Kanash Locke is voiced by Corey Burton, and Marg Krim is voiced by Steven Stanton. There was actually some confusion about with uh, some deep diving fans when it came to this episode, because this episode contradicts the Clone Wars novel Dark Disciple. Dark Disciple was written from Clone Wars episodes that didn't get made that were about Asajj Ventress and Quinlan Vos falling in love, and it ended Ventress's story. In the novel, they took a job to rescue Marg Krim, and Marg Krim's the head pike guy with the big headdress at the end. Um, they took a job to rescue Marg 
Mark Grimm's family from a rival crime syndicate, the Black Suns. But after their job was complete, the Black Suns showed up uh, with a fleet and blew up the entire place. Fans had assumed that Krim died with his family, but here he is in this episode, so hooray canon! There are also some debates that Dark Disciple takes place after this episode, but that wouldn't work either because we see Krim in the Siege of Mandalore, and that wouldn't line up. So, Krim's family is dead, but he survived, apparently. Yay, canon! (laughs) The cockpit for the Silver Angel was originally made for Season 6 of The Clone Wars, but then the series got cancelled. And with the cancellation, the crew liked the cockpit so much that they used it for the ghost in Star Wars Rebels, with a couple tweaks, of course. And at the time... There goes one of my notes. (laughs) (laughs) And at the time, with Clone Wars being cancelled, the crew never thought that the Silver Angel's cockpit would ever be seen. So they didn't think there would be a problem to use it in another show. Little did they know, Clone Wars would be saved, so that's why the Silver Angel's cockpit looks so familiar. Admiral Yularen has an updated model in this episode, giving him more gray hair as the war progresses. This brings him also closer to his look in both Star Wars Rebels and A New Hope. Anakin sensing Ahsoka and allowing her to pass is similar to Vader sensing Luke and Return of the Jedi and letting him pass in the stolen shuttle over Endor. This episode gives us another look at Kessel and its rulers, as well as a look at the, here we go, the, me mispronouncing this, Akades, Akades, Maelstrom, which also appeared in Solo, a Star Wars story. And finally, in the Clone Wars download for this episode, they talk about Kessel and creating the two tones of the planet. There's the Kessel that we know from Solo and Rebels, and then there's the rich area that's lush and green. They wanted to go from rust, slaves, and dirty, uh, dirty and dusty to clean blue skies, green and royal. They discussed the creation of Trace and Rafa, especially Rafa, and developing her movements as a character. It was important for her to talk with her hands, uh, um, which is sort of a new thing for them in animation to doing a character, because those are like extra movements they have to animate. And they wanted to make Trace uh, the one that the audiences would more identify with in the Pike situation, but also give her a place where she wants to do better and be a better person. She doesn't want to do illegal things, but she has no choice to survive. Dave Filoni talked about Trace and Rafa changing their perspectives as the as a step changing their perspectives as they step into a larger world um, outside their home on Coruscant. Learning different cultures and experiences is important. It gives appreciation on where you're from, but it also puts in a compassion for others and what they go through. Dave Filoni said that these are the stories that make up Star Wars, and they also noted about how Ahsoka's perspective is changing. She's learning to use her powers not to be a Jedi. She's learning to use her powers to help people. You know who also thinks it's important to you have appreciation of where you're from, but compassion for others? I don't know. Uses power to help people, he does. Ooh, hi Yoda. How are you? Helping people with power. Mmm. Yoda power, yes. Yo, mighty Morphin Yoda power, Yoda in a half shell, Yoda power. Sorry. That was the first Just the dead silence from Yoda told me everything about how that joke went with you. A little Yoda power is what everybody wants. Yes. <laughs> how you doing, Yoda? Ah, uh, powerful. Powerful. 
Like, like, like Super City is powerful? Yes. Enough to take that bitch out? Yes. You can overthrow that For old popcorn. man? For <laughs> popcorn. What'd you say, I'm sorry? For popcorn. <laughs> well, all right, Yoda, what's the platitude for this week? Mmm, powerful platitude. Mmm. Mistakes are valuable lessons often learned too late in bed. Isn't that the truth? Oh, <laughs> many times. That many is. Times. Uh, yeah, yeah. Too late, too late Yoda was. Wow. <laughs> Do you hear that? Was that Bernice? I heard it for the briefest of seconds. Say was something. That- Baby cake, she's pissed. She's a, she's deep in heat. Oh, but that was Miss Bernice. I heard right. Yes. She's oh. she's grumping around on my floor and making Marge Simpson noises and uh, twerking. Apparently, uh, she chased off Yoda too. She fly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yoda, yeah. She might be too much for Yoda. <laughs> Do I still spokes? Spokes, you're still over here? Yeah, hey, baby. Spokes is over on my bed sleeping. So, oh, wait. No, no, no. We are looking ourselves, so. I have a kitty in my room, too, so. All right. Act one. I'm ready. All right. Uh, ah. Act one. So a little catch-up. Ahsoka has met two amazing little lesbians named Trace and Rafa Martez. Rafa is the older sister who is tough and has all the plans. Trace is the optimistic and fun one. Together, they're literally just trying to get some bills paid, and Ahsoka's moral, uh, and Ahsoka's morals are cramping their style. Also, Trace and Ahsoka are gal pals TM. On to this week! We open with Trace and Ahsoka hanging out, living their best young 20 gay life together. Is that how you young people say that? I never got the whole 20 gay teen thing. I don't know. <laughs> it was a thing. I don't know. Um, and Trace is like, honey. I've never s- even heard it before. Hope, it was so. like a thing. It was like it was like like 20 gay teen. I think it was supposed to be a riff on 2018. Um, but it was like. Oh, gay. that's awful. If it is. I think. I honestly don't Somebody know. Somebody should get fired for coming up with that, or whoever the contest winner was, they cheated. I, I don't know. It was a thing, and I never even got it, but it was, like, a year or two. Like, I saw it everywhere, and I was like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the next year was, what, like, 20 by teen or something like that? I don't know. I think that's what it is. I'm not positive. Anyway, Trace is like... Honey, you are so talented, and clearly you've worked on shit before. What is the name of that school you went to? And Ahsoka panics and yells, Not Jedi Academy, that's for sure. <laughs> I just the idea of like Ahsoka opening her that's mouth. That's exactly what she did. I, you, you nailed it. I mean, I just love the idea of like Ashley Eckstein just opening her mouth and just going, ha 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 ha. And that sound coming out of Ahsoka. <laughs> and Trace says that she hasn't heard of Skywalker Academy, but she's not. She's never going to go to a school anyway. There are no real schools down here for pilots. It's not like she could afford it. And Trace built her ship piece by piece. 
Rafa got her front shot through gambling. They also put their lives together, especially in the last, at most, two to three years after their parents were killed in the chase for Cad Bane in Zero the Hut. Ahsoka is so proud of her gal pal and very impressed with her being able to put a ship together like that. And Trace is like, wait until the Silver Angel is up and flying. It's going to be amazing. And Ahsoka is like, the Silver Angel? Oh my god, you're adorable. And Trace is like, what's wrong with that name? And Ahsoka's like, don't worry about it, honey. I just have a friend who has a weird thing with angels and shit. And they move on to working on Ahsoka's bike. And Ahsoka admits that this life is really new to her, too. So Trace says, you should just, like, totally stay forever. And we're, like, lost kittens with mittens. And we're a pair now. So Ahsoka decides to stay a little longer. Because, honestly, where else in the galaxy does Ahsoka have to be anyway? And Rafa kicks in the door, yelling, don't I have a say in this? You know what? Doesn't matter. Trace! Trace, I got a job! A big one! Like, like the big kind, time kind of big. It's just my starship and the crew that I hire bounced on me, which is why I need my amazing baby sister to totally come help me out. And I love you and your precious thanks. And Trace is kind of pissed because her sister didn't come to her first as a pilot. And Rafa's being a bit shifty because she's not going to tell them what the job is without Trace agreeing first. She pulls a we're sisters and family card and Trey says that they can rely on each other as family. Oh, and also Ahsoka too because she's now a part of this. And Rafa is not on board with that. When Trace goes into the Silver Angel to warm up the engine, Rafa stops Ahsoka and asks, You show up out of nowhere and you're always around my sister? What's your angle? And Ahsoka's like, Oh my god, there is no angle and we're girlfriends. It's not hard. I just want you both to be safe. We're gay. <laughs> and Rafa flexes her bitch in fur coat and says, Maybe you're the trouble, kid. You're in our world now. So they all pile into the Silver Angel, and Rafa and Ahsoka continue to tease Trace about the name of the ship. And as the ship fires up and starts to take off, there's a really brief moment where Rafa looks at her little sister, and she looks so freaking proud of her. And I love the Martez sisters. But right away, Ahsoka realizes that Trace has no idea what she's doing as she flies right into a restricted military lane. And they get a call from the big bad ship, and all three women start to panic because it's a big military ship in the sky that's calling them. So Trace answers, and it's Admiral Yularen going, Betrayal! You have betrayed the laws of airspace, civilian! And Ahsoka's like, Oh shit, it's Yularen! Fly higher and get out of here before he goes into a monologue about the state of the war. And Yularen is just rambling on in the background like, I will have your star pilot's license for this. And Trace is like, wait, I need a license to fly a ship? When did that happen? Really? And Ahsoka's like, oh my god, we're going to jail. Just get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and on board the cruiser, Anakin is there. And he asks why Yularen is monologuing at some passing ship. But when he uses the force to feel the ship, he and Ahsoka sense each other. And probably for the first time ever in his life, Anakin Skywalker chooses to let someone go. And the women are then free to go on their way to their job. What'd you think of Act 1? It was okay. I, this is actually where most of my notes are. 
I, I noted the ghost like co- cockpit. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot about Anakin being in this one briefly. It's such a good moment. Um, I thought that Trace was, uh, ah- ah- Ahsoka was going to say to Trace uh, when she said, well, why don't, why don't you name my bike? I thought she was going to say, why don't you name my butt? But? Yeah, it, it, she was saying it when I heard, why don't you name my B, my brain auto filled in butt on it. <sighs> and, and when she said bike, I'm like, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, that, that makes Chris sense. Chris Honeywell here with the deep notes on Jake and Jeff. No, I, and it, it, I, it was it just seemed like that. I don't know. That seemed like more of like something that two people were joking around with would say, why don't you name my butt? Especially these two, because it might be a little butt joking going on. Yeah. You know. A little yeah, sauce about talk, but that was just me. <laughs> Lots of jaunty music in this this uh, first part too. Just so, which you don't really hear that much in Clone Wars, and like you've said in the past, this is a little more rebelsy. Yeah, I mean, music. When I hear jaunty music, all I can think about is in the episode Rebel Assault with the Rook running through the streets of Lothal, and the music's just like, dun 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 <laughs> That's what I'll always go back to. <laughs> it was so stupid, and I loved it so much. I This, this is where the beginnings of, of the... the the things about uh, Trace's character, although it's just start was just starting to un- annoy me in in this one a little bit of like um her just like being co- completely naive about things, but at the same time not paying attention to the two people around her who are actually it's it was very much like um. That one one episode of Rebels with uh, all the little uh, space bastard teens that were just no, like no like the, the wind like her pulling into a military lane was and and everybody's like that everybody going like yeah that's a you know normally like someone dri- driving a their ship for the first time you're driving a ship for the first time so it was like you're in a military lane and then they're going like oh you know you're in a military lane and we're gonna like take your your license away and all that would be like oh shit and like get out of the other lane she's just like happy to just sort of like it's it's almost like it's it's almost like somebody's like somebody who's just purposely breaking the rules but just like playing dumb about it because it's just like it just didn't seem like a real and this is where i i i i i have like it feels to me like the writer's isn't that like to... what people do like when they like when they see blue lights behind them though they like panic and they freak out and they're like where do I go what do I but, do where do I yeah but over? she didn't she didn't panic she didn't panic she was just like was no panicking they were all panicking all three of them panicked she was just she was just happy to keep doing it you know she was like she was like what do you mean you know she just like seemed un- unconcerned with their concerned concern it's it 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 gets worse, I think, in, as the show, as as this episode goes on. And I think maybe... I just disagree th- so hard because, for one, are you naive if you were never taught something? Yes. Sure. You're naive just if you don't have that, that knowledge and experience, you know? I mean, I'm not saying... I'm saying... 
like her naivete is not manifesting in a way that seems consistent with her character from last episode, you know? Um, I hard disagree. Like, there's, there's people who are, like, very confident and, like, just trust me, I know what I'm doing, but this didn't feel like that. This just felt like sort of stubborn, like, I'm gonna just do, like... But I, I mean, the, 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 there's an actual line about it in the, <laughs> later on. I'm like, like, but it's it's just like as a character, she's just like every step of the way, she's doing the absolute worst thing. And I understand why they're doing that in in like a story idea, character idea sort of way that it's like, and it was sort of what I was talking about last time where the two sisters, if they're going to be hanging out together can't be incompatible in their morality and so like having her there flying the ship if she's that like goofy like you either have to get her up to speed really fast or or you're gonna just every every step of the way you're gonna get you're gonna get screwed by her not knowing what she's doing and not being able to react you know that's the point of their story i know i know i know i see what i see what they're doing with that i see i see them doing it but i don't like it's not as deft as they usually are with telling it it makes me think like they redid the story or something and had to like they technically did because originally they were supposed to be nick sokami they're supposed to be what Nick, remember the the Martez sisters replaced a whole character named Nick Sokami. Oh, okay. We, we talked about that last week. Yeah, um, yeah. Because this was supposed to be a love interest for Ahsoka named Nix, and they ended up changing him out for the Martez sisters. So, yeah, they did. <laughs> there but, was a story change, a major mm, story change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I I don't want to I don't I, I don't want to get ahead of get ahead of myself on it because there's a lot of points I'm. I'll, I'll make that that have to do that play into it that have to do with future future story elements in here in this. Chris, we're gonna be debating this episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, go on. <clears throat> but yeah, I just think I don't think it's very deftly done. Like, like the. It seems like it 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 might have been meant to be longer, you know, or if it was done longer, you could have had a series a series of events that were more plausible that were still fueled by traces naivety. I cannot say it. I cannot even think of how to say it. I, that Naivete. Naivete. That, that's actually one of my criticisms of this arc as a whole. As as cool it is, like, starting next week, as cool it is to see, like, Bo-Katan and Ursa Ren and Maul in the next two episodes, the fact that Siege of Mandalore creeps in on this episode takes away from the, the sister story and right. what, the story they're telling with Trace and uh, uh, Rafa, that is one of my criticisms of this arc. Well, this, this, so, so there this might, be, might some, be 
yeah there might be some weight to this that maybe that this was supposed to be two episodes but because they brought in siege amanda or stuff in the next two episodes they had to crunch it all down to one like that 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 i will agree with i that is a criticism i have of this arc this one was just like this one was just like a way of the the in this part her 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 mistake like actually like i mean it's if in in the end i mean it did it services what they want to do with their character but mostly what it did was service the story by giving them an excuse to do a flyby by of anakin and yularen and and have anakin and ahsoka have the little little scene together and uh so it was like kind of kind of a little too handy came in a little too handy for for chris for my liking. liking for chris's liking yes definitely but uh that's all i really have on part one this has the majority of my notes ready <laughs> <laughs> oh geez yes oh boy yeah i guess it does have some notes <laughs> so we'll start from the top and work our way through um just from the opening crawl i just love hearing tom kane as the voice of war going, Rafa Martez, a streetwise gambler with lofty aspirations. <laughs> just made me laugh. <laughs> just that pre- how, There'll be plenty how- of John T. music in this episode. I know. I just love, I love Tom Kane doing the voice of war and it's his fucking Yularen voice. Uh, oh, this is what I want to say before Yoda came up over and distracted me is like you were talking about Rafa and her hand movements. I Like Rafa has like, 10 to 15 10 to 20 percent little hondo to her you know yeah got a little pirate flair to her yeah and I, I thought it was a cool note because that is true like if you think to like earlier clone wars not many people talk with their hands because those are extra movements to it's animate or work yeah yeah so like that's just a showing just like how much the, how far they've come because we would also get that like like occasionally in rebels and stuff um, cause I remember like sometimes Kanan would like nod his head back and forth and kind of move his hands like, <laughs> but like as much as Rafa is constantly talking with her hands, like that is such a cool animation. No. Well, now that they sort of dip their toes into it at the end of this season, you know, maybe, uh, maybe we'll see more mocap in Star Wars animation, maybe. which facilitate would facilitate stuff like that a lot, a lot easier mm-hmm. it would make it a lot easier so my first shallow note is the after the opening monologue with tom kane yelling at things it opens with trace just watching ahsoka work they're so gay and she just watches her and she smiles and she's admiring her and i love them i wonder what she's thinking right now what was she thinking and she, she's so pretty as she works look at her twirl that tool in her hand ugh, ugh. did she notice i changed the lumps on my acorn hair to the opposite side i'll bet she didn't even notice um i love the whole skywalker academy thing it just makes my heart swim about like how much ahsoka cares about anakin so much and like even in this time where she's left the jedi like already twice like in this time where she's left the jedi she's mentioned how much Anakin meant to her by like calling him her brother last episode and here she's like I recognize his work of what he's taught me with this which is Skywalker I just love the Skywalker cat and now there's like merch people have like Skywalker Academy of course they do um so I 
I actually really love this opening segment where they're talking about academies. Actually, wait, wait, isn't Skywalker? Isn't there a isn't Skywalker Academy like? I think Skywalker Academy might be a thing in Disneyland where they take kids and like have them build lightsabers and stuff. I think this is a Disney tie-in. It might have been for the old Star Wars days because they don't have those anymore. That's one of the, sadly, the things that died with the Disney buyout. Because before they would have, like, Star Wars weekends where, right, like, right. Vader would, where Vader would come out and dance. But now that, like, um, Galaxy's Edge is actually a part of canon, they have to keep everything in canon. So they can't have Star Wars weekends anymore. <laughs> Vader comes out and has dance-offs with, like, Every Boba day is Fett. Star Wars weekend and yeah. now, so... But I, I really like talking about academies and stuff like that. I really liked how this even this world built even more the like this social distances of Coruscant, meaning like between the upper class and the lower class, because not everybody can ha- be Padme and get this big Naboo education. And actually, the more I thought about it, like Trace reminds me a lot of actually of Tam from Star Wars Resistance in a lot of ways of not having like being like formally educated, having to teach herself, having to learn the trade and everything. Um, and like having to do everything from the ground up. And I I really like those comparisons between those those two characters because it's it's a really nice kind of like blue collar filled clone wars that, you know, she had to build everything herself, which goes into rewatching this arc. Um, and I'm, I'm just going to repeat something also from last week because I don't think we got to talk about it too much last week. And I, it's pretty much it's what made me rethink this arc and recontextualize this arc. Um, the Revelation, uh, I think it's actually next week's episode. The Revelation in next week's episode completely changed me rewatching the last two episodes, knowing that Trace and Rafa's parents are dead. Um, and they've only been dead at most two to three years, but it's probably less than that because their parents died when, um, in at the end of season one of Clone Wars, when Cad Bane was freeing Zero the Hut, and so these kids have probably only had like maybe eighteen, maybe a year, eighteen months living on their own, two years tops. I and two years is probably the high end. They probably have only been on their own for like a year to eighteen months. And that, to me, like, lets me forgive so much of what they do. Because, for one, Trace is clearly a teenager. So she's, like, 16, learning, 16, 18, probably, she's probably about Ahsoka's age, so probably about 16, 17, being thrown into an adult world and with no context of never being taught this because her parents are gone. And then Rafa is probably, like, late teens, early 20s. And they're just being thrown into this world of not... Uh, and, and while still mourning their parents that they probably just recently lost. So, so much of their story is them just being victims of this war as well, but in a completely different way, because there's apparently no society to help them. They probably didn't have any defects to come help them out because all they got was this hanger from their parents. Um, and they suddenly had to learn how to survive with no one to help them. Oh, at my all. God. Hope. Oh, my God. You want to hear how stupid I am? Huh. You said all they got was this hanger from their parents. <laughs> I thought you meant like hangry. <laughs> no. So they're filled with hanger. They're filled with a burning hanger. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, 
I've never heard that term before. And it's like, oh, because it's a hanger. Yeah. A ship hanger. <laughs> so that's what, that's what ship sa- uh, Trace says. She's like, all we got was this hanger when our parents split. Um, and then Rafa won the laundromat gambling. So, like, I, I, I love this story of the two of them because their story, and especially in this episode, is they literally are so in over their head, but they just don't know it. Because as we were, I don't, th- I think we were talking about it last week, but there's not a really a clear education system going on, which we talked about a little bit here. You know, all she thinks the Jedi started the war because they don't have any point of like well they're, they're basically like refugees you know ba- much, basically yeah. they're refugee orphans and they're yeah, just sort of so, and, and had enough te- resources to teenage to, refugee orphans teenage and, mutant refugee or- orphans no. um but like I, I always have to put in the context of like what if i was in this position at 17 like i'd be crazy in over my head too um, and not really under, like, I still like to have trouble doing like my taxes and doing adult stuff. <laughs> I'm 33 and I was trying to figure out how to fill out a business license. And I was like calling people with businesses. Like, so like I'm at 33 struggling with this stuff. These kids are like, what, 17 and early, like maybe early twenties. So like that, that to me is like, why I let so much of this go because for one they're just they've they're so freshly in this world and processing trauma and just trying to survive and pay bills it's not none of this is out of the ordinary for me like this seems so logical now that we have the like next week and re-watching this with the context that they just recently lost their parents within the last at most two years anything else no, I'm... Okay. Um, and I also like the context of all this, too, because with Trace and Rafa so freshly new in all this as well, Ahsoka's new to this life as well. Like she, she, And I think that's why she bonds with Trace so fast, and I like that. Um, uh, Ahsoka's a little out of her element, but Ahsoka's also used to getting used to, you know... New situations. Any kind of new... Adapting to any... I mean, she's got Jedi training now, and, like the experience of war like being like not only like kind of like uh you know in an army but also in like intelligence and stuff like that so she's had like religious um political and and you know just hardcore you know battle death training to that so she's you know she she knows who she she has a uh, an idea of the context of all the stuff they're doing, you know, mm-hmm. and like I, 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 I'll, you know, I mean, Ra- Rafa's really naive, but you know, or I mean, Trace is really right ra- naive, but Rafa just is like slightly less naive than her, and and plays it off better. I so. always have to. I have to wonder also how much Rafa keeps Trace in the dark, and I actually I have a notes either in Act Two or Act Three about Rafa constantly manipulating Trace. So, because uh, she knew that the Pikes were a crime syndicate. And when Trace was like, you knew? And she was like, of course I knew. I took the job. Um, Like, it makes me wonder how much Rafa purposely keeps Trace in the dark. But as a way to protect her, um, as like an older sister thinking she's protecting her baby sister. But really what's ending up happening is she doesn't realize that she's hurting Trace by keeping her in the dark about things. 
Um, well, like you said, we're talking about last episode. They're they're survivors and they're orphans, and orphans have that bond where mm-hmm. they just want to stay. You know, they want to stay together, and they both want to keep an eye on the other. You know, on mm-hmm. the other one, they 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 don't want to lose anybody anymore. Yeah. So, so I I think that that has to be considered in Trace's naivete as well as well as how much is Rafa keeping her in the dark about certain things. And I, I think Rafa would Rafa would do stuff like um well, I could see Rafa stabbing a person and not telling Trace. <laughs> oh yeah. Well I could see Rafa also like cutting cutting Trace less of a deal less of the money from a deal and stuff like that. And not as much to like keep <clears throat> keep more for herself, <clears throat> but to keep her from being kind of more autonomous. You know, when mm-hmm. when people manipulate like that, they do though that they, they, you know it goes along with their ethical structure. And I and and I'm sure she has like excuses that are you know you know strong emotional excuses of why she you know rationalizations of why she does it but i i wouldn't put stuff like that past her either yeah. and i bet you and i'm and it probably bothers her too but at the same time at, at the same time she probably just does the math in her head and goes look i gotta keep her near me you know and i you know that's that's the thing about when it comes to like manipulation and even even going so far as like abusive relationships, like you justify it from a point of love, um, and which is which is why it's so toxic because you're like I'm doing this to protect a person yeah. when really you're hurting them, but you justify it in your head so that way you can sleep at night. I don't I don't know if I'm being technically correct with what I say, but I would think of their relationship as more as like dysfunctional than than outright abusive although like yeah rafa is definitely abusive but i do think that there is some toxicity of rafa is definitely manipulating trace in a lot of ways which uh, i'll get to act three because i think part of the reason why trace dumps despise is ahsoka getting in her head from last episode which is breaking that manipulation yeah, uh, and another th- another thing that I noticed differently from this one, from this on the second viewing than the first viewing, is I had exaggerated Rafa. Maybe maybe it'll it'll get. I know it gets more heated in the next two episodes, but like I am, I remembered them playing up the jealousy of of uh, Rafa over Ahsoka more than. Then I, I I know they get more mad at each other in other episodes, but in this one she's like, um, she she it actually seems more like she's into Ahsoka and having her as part of the team, and she's just like hoping for the best, but she's still be she's gonna be saucy, as she'll probably, she'll be saucy no matter how long you probably know her whoever you are, yeah. but you, you know she's. She's she's feeling out Ahsoka, but she's just like, okay. And like, you know, they keep being like, ah, I don't trust you yet. Nah, I don't trust you yet. But you could tell that they're both eager to trust each other. Yeah, so, you know, know, that's I, that's actually my next note. I don't know if you're looking at it or not. No, I'm not. Um, but um, <laughs> I just sort of my, just sort of walked into says, it. I like how Ahsoka and Rafa are feeling each other out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but they both, I mean, they're both, in, they're both into it. They're, they're, they're not like... 
You know, I, I thought it more like Rafa would be like, how do I get rid of this Ahsoka? She's going to mess up everything with my sister. But it, it's not. She's she she has an edge of that to it. But I, that's her just her guard up more than anything yeah. else. She's she's just going like this person could be a really strong asset. Yeah, like it's I, I find Ahsoka and Rafa's relationship really interesting as well and i i can't quite put my finger on how like exactly because it's it's so complex so quickly you know we have this scene where she's like what what's your angle what are you doing and ahsoka's like i'm just here to keep you guys out of trouble and she's like that's maybe you're the trouble and they have this kind of little squall and then the immediate next scene ahsoka and rafa are teasing trace together and it's it's like that that moment has passed and like you know they have these like little bonding things too where they they might butt heads but they also agree at times they have a really complex relationship very quickly and it's established very fast and i think it's i think it's really fascinating to watch but i can't quite put my finger on well, what yeah. exactly it I is mean- I can just I can sort of like you know re- like make my own head canon about it that like I would think Trace like like um Ahsoka and and Trace are so like like Ahsoka I'm sure sees a lot of herself in Trace mm-hmm. as far as you know just sort of being on on her own and you know or she sees herself when she was when she was a greenhorn but but Rafa's got a little more experience and stuff, so Rafa understands. So Rafa actually under like understands Ahsoka. You know, Trace has just taken Ahsoka as just like uh, oh just sort God, of friends. like a kick-ass girl that I met. You know, this girl kicks ass. Whereas mm-hmm. Rafa's like understands that Ahsoka's seen some shit. You know, and so they so they're they're a little more on their guard with each other, but they also under that they also like are sort of understanding that like yeah they have a common interest in seeming to want to protect trace too so mm-hmm. you know there's there's a lot of there's a lot of little little uh, math equations going on in their heads absolutely and i i it's so fascinating to watch um my my next my favorite scene of the entire episode is the Yular and Anakin and them flying in the military lane episode. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> like Yularen just like monologuing in the background, just being like, I'll have your pilot's license for this. I will have you. Just get them. I'm betrayal. <laughs> like What I liked about it, it's the first time we've ever had any acknowledgement of any kind of traffic order in Star Wars. There obviously is some because you see them driving in their lanes and stuff, but you never have it like overtly addressed and like, okay, get in the other lane. You got to keep right or whatever, you know. I mean, yeah. that they, they actually like they actually use the term air brakes when with with their ship in space though later where yeah. there's no air. There's no air there. Um there's no air in space. Well, yeah, but it doesn't, maybe it's like a break, you know, where the TARDIS is like, makes the sound weird or something. Um, I, I, the way I thought about it is like, it's an air break for when they're on the planet. Um, but it's still just kind of grinding gears together because you didn't release it for space. That's how I saw it. But I love that scene because there's a moment where the three women are talking, but you can hear just Yalarin still on the comm, just like rambling (laughs) 
as the three of them are talking. The entire scene is just so hilarious. And I, I, like, I like the part where Trace is like, wait, I need a license to drive? <laughs> what? I love it. Um, I also love Ahsoka's, oh shit, it's Yolaren face. Like the moment she hears this voice, like she like puts her hand to her mouth like, oh no, it's Yolaren. Because there's also a lot in that moment too, because that's a very real fear. She knows Yolaren. She's worked with him for years. Um, and, and he would absolutely totally recognize her if they did detain them, or she would probably, or he would at least recognize her voice if she had said something and he heard it. Um, and there's probably a really real, real fear that he might send her back to the Jedi and be like, or at least tell the Jedi, like your ex Padawan person who left is like causing some shit. So like, there's a lot of fear in that moment when Ahsoka's is like, Oh my God, it's Yolaren. See, I would almost think of, I mean, cause Ahsoka's not illegal. She's not on the run or anything. She's just like, she's just got cut loose. She's just a citizen right now. So like, I th- would think if they pulled her over, she could just be like, hey, look, you know, I was trying to give these guys some pointers or whatever. And they might be like, yeah, that's kind of weird. But that would weird. also out her to Trace and, and Rafa, who she's trying to hide her. Skin right, from. right. That would be the most, that would be the most, uh, but she might be able to pull it off, like, on the side, you know, who knows? You know, if mm-hmm. I was a Jedi, I'd be like, yeah, if I get forced in this situation, I might be able to do it with a private conversation behind their backs or something and get away with it. You never know. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, if worse came to worse, she might, you know, I mean, like, I, like with those two characters, she might be able to, she might be thinking she might be able to trust them you know, with that information at some point, you know? And so if it gets forced out, she might be like, well, this is a little sooner than I thought, but I just got to tell you guys some stuff. I can parkour up anything that you need me to, you know? (laughs) I can literally jump off a mountain. Yeah, I mean, all the, I mean, obviously it's the sort of Superman thing where, like the the danger isn't to Ahsoka, the danger is to them, you know, of mm-hmm. being associated with Ahsoka. She she's got some bad hombres who could come and get her or whatever, or or lead them into trouble or whatever. But you know, I just imagine like the scene, like when they're like, "Wait, you can parkour up anything?" But she's like, "Yeah." They're like, "Can you jump up on top of that mountain?" She's like. Yeah, like two jumps, and they're like, do it, do it. (laughs) They would just have a weekend of Ahsoka doing stupid Force stuff, and like while they drink beer and shit, it would be hilarious. (laughs) Do it, you coward. Um, I I love the Anakin moment. I it's such it's so nice for one. It's just a nice call to Return of the Jedi and all that. Um, but that's also kind of a big moment for him too, because Anakin has the chance right then and there. To bring Ahsoka back to him. But he lets her go. Which is the one thing that Anakin Skywalker. Always struggles with. Is letting things go. He couldn't let Padme go. Like, like That's his thing. Is not letting things go. And right now. This might be the one and only time. We've ever seen Anakin ever let anything go. In his lifetime. Well so, yeah. He's sort of forced to though. Because I mean. Like I mean, he, he, could, I, he would have been like, "Yeah, detain them. They're breaking the law. Bring Ahsoka in." He was not forced to. Yeah, but that's the thing is, I mean, that that's the thing is a lot. Like he and Ahsoka ended on Ahsoka making a conscious decision and taking it, and like, 
like you can't like just go and like oh there's it's not like a so it's not like a game of hide hide and seek where she's hiding from the jedi and they're trying to get her back you know i mean anakin you know i mean they they had their conversation where Anna, where you know she could have stayed and she said no so i mean he's just sort of forced out of like some degree of honor and respect ah that's my like, last note um it showcases his respect for ahsoka yeah um, i mean that was that was the last part of this note was it shows how much he really respects her he doesn't know what she's doing he doesn't know why she's on that ship but he respects her enough and make in her choices enough to let her go and do whatever she's doing that was the last part of that note people people on that level like on that level of respect with for each other only like it's not that uh, like in on you know a different alternate reality that in the future Anakin couldn't like if he was going to approach Ahsoka to come back and help them it would be in some like dire situation it's like you know like the siege of Mandalore (laughs) no I think even more dire than that I think like I think the siege of Mandalore is dire but the siege of Mandalore is more dire in retrospect and also by the siege of Mandalore Anakin had his own little adventure to deal with outside of ahsoka but i mean like if things if if things hadn't gone south and they were just sort of like in the future (laughs) or things went south further in the future did you say he had his own adventure outside of ahsoka and you mean revenge of the sith yes yes it was one of anakin's little adventures I, i see you've been on one of your little adventures again anakin what happened what happened to all your skin Was, Where'd your skin and soul and go, dude? I'm sorry, I laughed. <laughs> it's a little adventure of Revenge of the Sun. That's so fucking funny to me. My last note is, you want to hear a stupid joke I made up? Sure. So I made up this joke about Yalaren for this scene. The first canonical episode of Clone Wars is Cat and Mouse. And it's the first time Yalaren and Anakin work together. And Yularen has this, like, super dark hair, and he has no real baby. He has this fresh baby face. And then we get this episode, and he looks like an old man with all these wrinkles and all these gray hairs. So the joke I made up was him going, hi, I'm Admiral. I was forced to work with Anakin Skywalker every day two years. Yularen, what's your name? <laughs> he looks like he aged, like, 20 years in two. Yeah, that's how it goes. It's stupid. I, I find it. But that's all I had for Act 1. Did you have anything else? I'm ready for Act 2. All right. <clears throat> Act 2. So the ladies are on their way for their mission. Rafa still won't tell Ahsoka what they're doing, but she does finally share it with Trace. And it's not until they arrive at Kessel that Ahsoka puts two and two together. She gets Rafa to finally at least say that they are quote-unquote, picking up medicine. They land and are met by a super fancy Twi'lek who has a banquet prepared for, to thank the ladies for all their hard work. Trace and Rafa try everything in their powers not to squill in giddy excitement, but Ahsoka is wary for reasons. And they get their fancy meal with the fancy Twi'lek. The king of Kessel, because... 
Kessel apparently is a monarchy, isn't there. But if the Martez sisters are dependable, then one day they can actually run with royalty. Rafa is totally playing it cool, and Trace is in an, is in excited, adorable mode and is super stoked about everything. But it's Ahsoka who finally asks what kind of medicine they're moving. And Fancy Twi'lek says it's unrefined spice. And they're going to start with a small shipment, and if they're good, then they'll have a full contract. And then Ahsoka raises her hand and says, You guys know that spice is drugs, right? Like illegal drugs, not medicine drugs. And the music stops, and a servant drops a tray, and Rafa looks like she might actually stab Ahsoka right there and then. And Fancy Twilight whips out his best Judy voice. Chris doesn't know what that means, but I do. <laughs> D voice and says, There are no drugs on Kessel. We only make medicine in this time of war. And he yanks up Rafa and they leave to get their order together. Outside, Ahsoka is like, So I'm 99.9% .9 sure that we're drug running here. And even if it is for medicine, pirates target ships around Kessel all the time. And Rafa is like, how do you know so much? But also shut up because I'm out of fucks to give. And Rafa walks off. So Ahsoka stops Trace and tries to talk some sense at her and says, listen here, girlfriend, this is super dangerous. And Trace is like, my sister would never put me in danger. And Ahsoka goes, I'm pretty sure your sister has no idea what she's doing here. I mean, I can't blame her because of the situation of the Clone Wars. And the Clone Wars have put you in this situation. But I'm going to need one of you to listen to me. And it ain't going to be her. And Trace confirms that this is Rafa's first real big job for them. But they have to get going. So they cut the conversation short because they got bills to pay. And they leave the nice part of Kessel. And fly to the dirty gross parts of the world. Where all this spice mining takes place. And as they come in Trace is like. Wow look at all the droids down there. And Ahsoka is like, you sweet summer child, those are for sure slaves down there. Oh, and, and would you look at that? A Zygerian cat man is waiting for us on the platform. You know what those evil cat bitches are known for? Slavery! I should know because I rescued some of my people from them in season four. And Rafa is like, I thought you were a mechanic. And Ahsoka panics and she's like, um, it was a big job with mechanics and I rescued other mechanics. What's a Jedi? I don't know what's a Jedi. <laughs> and Rafa points out that the Republic would never stand for slaves. And Ahsoka smirks and's like, you've obviously never read Master and Apprentice, Queen's Shadow, or watched The Phantom Minutes, because you'd be real surprised how much the Republic and the Jedi let slavery pass on by. As the spice is being loaded onto the ship, Rafa pulls Trace aside. She's not sure if she likes Ahsoka or not. And Trace is like, you never like any of my girlfriends. But Rafa reminds her that Ahsoka is not family. They load up the ship and they head out to make their spice run. What'd you think of Act 2? Act 2 is a little better. Act 2 is my favorite part in this. Because uh, Trace is baby bird in this, but she's not being disruptive in in this part i mean in other than just like being like uncouth in the in dinner and stuff like that but like rafa really should have been just like keep your mouth shut during dinner you know or whatever 
<laughs> before. Um, I, the Kessel, the Kessel looks like the Shire when they land. I'm like, wow, they're they're coming into. Uh, all, uh, except it's actually really like Columbia, <laughs> basically. Um, there, uh, there's a beautiful that scene where they're flying over the the trees and the camera comes down through the clouds to follow them is a really there's a lot of like beauty beauty shots that look like you know just Paintings. almost like fantasy paintings yeah 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 and, uh, I, I thought that i almost noted it too but i was like i'm 99.9 percent sure chris is gonna note this <laughs> and and i noticed when they walk away from their plate that that trace's plate looks like it has space cafeteria pizza on it <laughs> it's kind of weird i was trying to figure out what they were eating because on one hand it looked like giant chicken legs but on the other hand like it just looked like giant loaves of bread. It depended on like what sh- angle the shots were. I was trying to figure she out. She just what they had were that eating. blobby, that squ- that rectangle blob of like cafeteria pizza on on one of the plates. Um, my only other note is like there's like um there's a lot of short um Clone Wars shorthand in here. You know, like slaves and and how the the stuff that we've already gone over in in clone wars so they can just sort of and i think they can get away with it a lot more in these episodes cuz it's been a, it's been a little while since clone wars has been on it's been a you know a few few years so but they can still like just sort of pull out shorthand of like oh look slaves you know and and oh look cat head and uh they, they they can get away with it, but the, you know, when she said, "Oh look, droids," and it's like, "Oh no, those are slaves." It's it's just like I started to think to myself, wouldn't it be better to have droids for this kind of for you know, I mean, like, I want to say that like modern, like in in our world, you know, like digging for. You know, whatever you dig, anything you dig out of the drive, any kind of raw material you're digging out of the ground is much more efficient with a giant machine that can lift tons of stuff and and things like that. So, like, it doesn't seem like slaves would be a economic, but at the same time, there's also tons of headcanon space where you could figure out, you know, what reason the spice is so fine that like they found with the big machinery it gets into the and like get it gets into the pieces and destroys them or whatever but then as i was thinking that that the next shot there you have those there you have like loading up the ship a bunch of rock'em sock'em spice droids you know that are these those big i love how they move they were very like little kind of wobbly they were they were basically rock'em sock'em robots they they looked really cool and uh i was like why don't they got those guys work in the mall or work in the mall work in the mine <laughs> well they got those guys watching the mall there'd be no shoplifting then you know now the they, they, they look they look like they could really uh tear things up so yeah i don't know what's up with that that's all i really got for part two yeah, um, to touch on what you were saying about, like, kind of the Clone Wars shorthand, um, I know that, too, when I saw the Zygarian, um, because they're, that's the entire Zygarian arc in Season 4, is yeah. they 
steal Ahsoka's people and they have to pretend to be slaves and Ahsoka, and Anakin has to pretend to be a slave master. Like, that's one of my favorite arcs. Of you don't have to go through a whole bunch of exposition to get yeah. the idea of, like, these guys are slavers. You know, it's and, just a couple quick shots and we know yeah, what's going and, on. And, and anybody who's watched Clone Wars be like, oh, that's the slaving race. Like, you know, yes. there's whole four episodes about that. So I, I noted that, too, because it's it's a really nice touch of, like, you get why that guy is here. Um, I also love the little talk where Rafa's like, you know, the Republic would never stand for this. And Ahsoka was like, he would think that um, <laughs> because it's true. Um, it Like we, we see that in the Phantom Menace. Anakin's a slave. We see that in Clone Wars. There are Zygerian slaves. Um, but I, it, that line is so much deeper. Like if you've gone into some of the book canon, um, the first thing I thought of was, um, they touch on it in Queen's Shadow, but they really get into the Jedi side of it in the book Master and Apprentice. And in the book, Qui-Gon um, and young Padawan Obi-Wan are at this place where there are quote-unquote indentured servants, but Qui-Gon's like, these are slaves. Mm. <laughs> so he calls up Yoda, and he's like, Yoda, like, you know, we're doing this. They were there on, like, some diplomatic mission trying to get a treaty signed. Um, but the indentured servants were a very important part of this planet and the economy of this planet. And part of the treaty was signing with the corporation that gives them indentured servants. And it it was a thing, but long story short, like Qui-Gon's like, Yoda, these are slaves. Like I need to stop this. And Yoda argues like, who are they to ruin this, this, this place's culture when it's so deeply ingrained in their culture for centuries, who are they to stop this? And Qui-Gon's like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> like, um, were the Jedi? Yeah. But like Yoda uses something like, are we to go into the, he, he references other species okay. where they eat. Yoda was old. watching his soap operas and didn't want to deal with it and wasn't really paying attention. Well, like, like it's so, Yoda's really great in this book because he is not happy that Qui Gon's up to possibly join the the council. Like, he does not like Qui Gon. It's really good. <laughs> he is very bitchy towards Qui Gon, and it's wonderful. Ooh. But um, but Yoda references like this other culture, and he's like, you know, there's this other species, and when they're they reach a certain age, they just kill off their old people because it saves resources for the younger, stronger generation. And that's just normal. They've done it their entire existence. Like, when you reach the certain age, you have this ceremony where they kill you. Um, he's like, are we supposed to stop that because it's murder as Jedi? And Qui-Gon's like, um, I see what you're saying, but slaves here. <laughs> like, it's a whole thing. So, like, there's so much in that line where Ahsoka's just like, yeah, you would think. Like, that's a very loaded line because we also know that you know, the Republic is constantly, as a Senate, like, can't deal with slavery on Tatooine or can't deal with slavery with the Zygerians. Like, that's a very loaded, powerful line that Ahsoka says <laughs> that has a lot of shit behind it. <laughs> oh, no, like, I experience that line all the time in my life as an old cynical bastard, you know. I'll hear someone at work going, but that politician wouldn't do that, would they? <laughs> You would think. Oh, no, kid. They would never do that. But that would be breaking the law. Yeah, you would think. Yeah. Huh. Imagine I, that. I paid more taxes last year than certain people. You would think. <laughs> uh, anyway, 
Um, and, and to just to continue to touch on Kessel, um, and I'm going to bring this up, especially like when we get into like next episode going into the Siege of Mandalore and stuff like that. Something I really love so much about this season is it did a lot for me for Solo. Um, there is so like we're here on Kessel. We go back to Kessel and Solo. Like we see like the Solo connections of like when they're flying in. But like as the season goes along, like we find out that Crimson Dawn is running. It's running at this point. We see Paul Bettany. <laughs> like so like that's this is the really the first instance going toward the end of the season where I really like what this season does for Solo because it really adds a lot to that movie. And I really like that. And this was the first instance where I was just like, oh, hey, we're in solo time. Um, <sighs> where am I? Um, kind of what you were saying about Trace being the baby bird and like Rafa like being like, just don't talk. Um, I actually really like their animating with Rafa in that scene because they do a good, it's so subtle, but they do a really good job animating her trying not to freak out at everything that's happening like her eyes are just so big and she's just like quickly nodding but you could tell like she wants to be like yes 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 but they're keeping her very like she's very tight like where she normally talks with her hands and she's very animated everything's very close to her um she's not moving her hands very much her body's very tight and close to her because she's trying to keep everything out of control under control but you can see it in her eyes you can see it in her quick little like head movements and stuff like yeah yeah that sounds great big contract yeah yeah um and you like see it in her posture so it's it's really subtle because she all she wants to do is be like a teenage girl and just being like yes 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 but she has to be very calm and i i, I like that animation for her because it's different from her in the rest of the arc um, and the only other point I had was about Rafa's quick line to trace about Ahsoka not being family and the, like kind of a, the idea of blood family versus found family. There's a lot there too. Like that, we actually have been talking about that a lot in Pink Milk, um, over talking about the Mandalorian and the concept of having a found family while you're queer versus having a blood family. But in this context, just about them, um, I, I really feel that line a lot because I I have a lot of difficulties with my blood family, and I actually constantly talk with my dad about this as well, um, is this idea of, like, you're supposed to do whatever because they're family, but I'm not really close to a lot of my blood family. Um, I, I actually have a very close-knit found family. Um and I've seen blood families totally like suck somebody dry by like you know invoking the like you have to you know we're family. I yeah. I absolutely. knew a family. I knew a family. They their their son was trying to get his life together, and they would set his mom would come to his job every payday and make him give hand over the check because you know you can't say no. I'm your I'm your family. Yeah. You know, and just were like feeding off him. So, yeah. Family can be incredibly toxic. And this idea of like, oh, you have to do this because you're blood. There's there needs to be, I think, more explanations and stories of that kind of thing. Um, well, that's we, the thing is like family, uh, family as a um, as a thing is just like sort of like this this thing in our culture that it's like family is found family or you know there's a lot in our culture about found family being good and 
regular family being good. But it's not. Neither of them are always. I mean, the Manson family was a found family. Yeah. And they 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 like lived a wonderful life for a few years until it all went bad or whatever. But like that was definitely dysfunctional. Yeah. So like, there's a lot of like. Well, I was I was just gonna say you can't choose your family, but you can definitely choose definitely should choose your found family well too. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's the kind of the thing here is that knowing I, I guess when I say I wish there were more stories of I read a lot of Am I the Asshole, which is a Reddit uh, a Reddit page which is just people posting like like I did this thing Am I the Asshole. Um, and there's so many stories on there of people's families sucking people dry and being manipulative and stuff like that. And it made me start kind of really thinking about, like, do we really have a lot of stories of people walking away from blood family? Um, and we do have some. And we I, we do. I we mean, do. there's movies about about dysfunctional families and abusive families and stuff yeah, and TV and shows do. and stuff. But um, it's usually <laughs> not in... Young media. Young media, although it, I think it used to be more, but it was like it was like kind of horribly flawed because it was like wicked stepmothers and stuff like yeah. that. Or you would have abusive families and stuff, but I. Or it'd it was be like weird. Cinderella. And that's huh? what, that, yeah. that, that was kind of the point I was trying to get at is that we we have this in a lot of adult media, but we don't really have this in young media of like how to recognize like toxic blood families, what to do, how to get out of it. Unless it's like PSAs that you watch in school of like if someone talks to you or hurts you in a certain way, go to a teacher. Um, so and and that's why I really kind of like what's happening in a lot of more recent kind of uh, young adult media. We'll definitely talk about this in Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons when we get to shows like. Shira or an owl house because this is these are prominent themes like with characters like Katra and Amity Blight. <laughs> um, and, and when we get to Avatar, uh, Zuko and Azula, this is very much their stories as well. Um, so I, I do like that we've been seeing this recently and now we're getting it in Clone Wars about this whole idea of blood family versus found family because what I'm really coming to is Rafa clearly manipulates Trace. And she and we definitely see that um, next uh, in the next act when she's like, well, I'm going to sell your ship. <laughs> Could you put us here? Um, but there, there's definitely some manipulation going on with Rafa where she's like, we're family. We're family. You, you know, we're sisters. We stick together. We don't need a sofa. Like, we're family. Like, this is us. It's, it's family. Yeah, and, it's a constant. It's a it's the always work. Get out of jail free card. Yeah, and it, it is a constant. Like, I think at least once in every private conversation they've had together, something about family has come up. And I can almost promise you that that was not a regular until Ahsoka walked in the door. They probably didn't have, like, they probably didn't have a normal conversation of, what do you want for dinner? We're family. Um, it's because this outsider is here and, and Rafa has to continue to remind Trace of that. So it's it's just really interesting, and I and I like that having this in in Clone Wars because I don't we didn't really have that in Rebels. We really didn't have it in Resistance to have this kind of like you know everybody's family dies in Rebels and Resistance. <laughs> so to actually have like siblings, um, do we even have siblings in Rebels? We don't really have siblings in Rebels, and we don't really have yeah. I is this our first pair of like 
siblings? That are together? Uh, In I animation? Guess. Yes? Huh. Uh, not in Clone Wars. I mean, we've had, like, Tipley and Tiplar, and one of them died, and... We had... We had, um, we have the clones who are all brothers, but... We um, had, um, what's his name there? Stila! Oh, yeah! That's a really good example, too, is, is Saw and Stila. Thank you. I was like, I know there's another pair of siblings somewhere here. Um, because we kind of saw that with Saul and Stila as well. Like, when Stila started, like, gaining... A lot of traction. That's when Saul became more toxic, and you know, people started like she started making forming relationships and stuff, and like, and Saul was just like, "Hey, Lux, get off my sister." Um, so it's kind of the same thing there too. So I, I like, but I like seeing these sibling dynamics and these like kind of blood family versus found families because blood family can be really toxic at times. So yeah, that's all I have for Act Two. Did you have anything else? I'm ready for Act Three. Although I'll tell you, this is the one where I got the problems. This is the one where I'm just like, where I caught a case of the problems. You're doing. <laughs> All right. Act three. Act three. So the ladies are on their way to take the not medicine somewhere. And Rafa is on cloud nine, dreaming of all her money that they're about to make. And she's like, let's go to Obadiah and Mark Krim to make all the money. Woo money. But Ahsoka goes quiet for a moment and she focuses saying to herself, I was trained for this moment. My time has come. I hoped I would never have to use this method, but here I go. And Ahsoka opens her Jedi briefcase and takes out the wettest of wet blankets. And she says, you taught me well, Master Windu. And as, as Rafa is celebrating all the money she's about to make, Ahsoka throws all her wet blankets at Rafa and Trace and goes, Mark Krim of the Pikes? What the hell are you thinking? We're going to the Pikes? And Rafa finally asks the very important question of how does Ahsoka know so much? Um, Ahsoka explains that the Pikes are not just gangsters. They're a whole ass crime syndicate. And Trace is like, whoa, wait, a crime syndicate? That's what you signed me up for? And Ahsoka's like, yeah, she signed you up for a crime syndicate, and they're gonna take your ship. And Trace is like, you mean my ship that I had a tiny monologue about at the beginning of the episode about why it's so important to me? No! Rafa, continuing to being the more practical one, is like, Ahsoka, bitch, we got bills to pay. I don't care if it's the Pikes or your uncle. A job's a job, and we're making money. And Trace is starting to have a panic attack because she doesn't want to lose this ship that she's built piece by piece. And during all this, Ahsoka and Rafa are going back and forth. Ahsoka wants to take the spice somewhere to actually turn it into medicine. But that doesn't get Rafa paid, so she doesn't like this suggestion. And Ahsoka points out that these are Rafa's debts to get paid. And Rafa's like, well, Trace and I are family, so this is her debt too. And as the ladies fight... Trace finally snaps from her panic attack. She's had enough of this, and she's just not thinking clearly. And she jettisons the spice into the vastness of hyperspace to have it scatter across all the whatever parsecs, I guess they're called, that they're moving through. And Ahsoka and Rafa just stare at her, because that was the worst possible thing that Trace could have done. And Trace doesn't understand 
And Trace is and but Ahsoka is like, Trace, honey, I love you and you're beautiful and I know you're stressed and I know your sister signed you up for a crime syndicate. But both you and your sister don't realize how in over your head you are. But now we have no option. And poor Trace is like, girlfriend, you said spice with gangsters was bad. And Ahsoka's like, we're having an ethical debate. And Trace is like, ethical debates are really bad for my anxiety. And Rafa decides that Trace dumped the spice so she can give up her ship, which Trace, which makes Trace so pissed off at her. Ahsoka breaks them up because she thinks that she's trying to get the beginning of a plan. So they arrive at the Pike planet. Neither of the Martez sisters like Ahsoka's plan, but you know what? They don't have any other options, and they also don't realize that she's an ex-Jedi, which is part of the plan. They arrive, and Mark Grimm and a lot of Pike guards are waiting for them. Marg wants to see the spice, but Ahsoka has a couple tricks up her sleeve. She uses the Jedi mind trick, which apparently no one in the group surrounding them sees her do this? Question mark? And Marg hands Rafa the credits and tells them to head on out of there. And the girls, as calmly and as quickly as they can, get on the ship and shove out all the empty storage containers. Well, one pike is like, um, sir, this is super fishy. And he shoots open the crate to see that it's empty, and he sounds the alarm. And before the ladies can get out of there, patrol ships show up and trap them with tractor beams. And Rafa looks right at Ahsoka, and she's like, I blame you. And Ahsoka's like, you're the one that signed us up for a crime syndicate, bitch. And then Chris is like, oh god, I'm going to jail. The end. I blame Trace. I mean, she's so, I mean... Obviously, she has the ship, but man, what a liability. I mean, this is why I think the writing's off on this, because the whole way that they get her to dump the spice, it's just too convenient of a thing where they have to show up without the spice in order to set off the rest of the story. And the way Ahsoka is like, they'll take your ship. She's she's not saying they're definitely going to take your ship. It's obviously she's saying these are the kind of people they'll just, you know, they'll, they were, you know, she wasn't, she was talking metaphorically. She was she talking literally that. too. They'll literally take your ship. But she wasn't informing her that when we get there, they're going to grab your ship. She was that's saying. That's how it sounds though. The way Ahsoka presented it, that's how it sounds. Like they're going to take your ship. <laughs> Well, I just got, I just, you know, these are people that would slit your throat and throw you in a, in a river or something like that. That was basically the gist of it. But just to have that set off her and then her, her reaction is to dump the spice. Just, it just doesn't, it, it didn't add up to me to make sense, like motivation wise and stuff. It seemed to me like maybe there was a more complicated or another story element where the spice was left behind. And this one sort of just ticks off a box of, you know, of of her character being naive and stuff. But by this point in the story, she, you know, uh, well, I mean, uh, uh, Ahsoka's flat out been like telling her like, oh, yeah, these are bad guys. These are slavers. She's seen the slaves when they get, I mean, they do go eat some fancy dinner, but when they get met, they get met with people with guns and you know it's it's definitely like 
you know, if you're even paying a little attention, she knows they're sort of in out of there. And I mean, no matter how naive you are, if if like you were, if this was like a teen comedy where, you know, uh, Ahsoka's a uh, CIA agent and and they're two they 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 they're two teenagers who inherited their parents, you know, um, um, plane and the CIA agents hire them to fly the CIA agent fly fly them to Colombia to do a drug deal. You know, I mean, even no matter how, unless they were being comically naive, you'd know better than to dump the cocaine out of the plane, you know, any, <laughs> any juncture in it, it's just not going to do you any good because then all of a sudden you're, you, you know, I mean, when you're transporting something, I mean, that's a concept that no matter how naive you are, that you're like responsible for something and it's, it's something very expensive, then you know, you don't just dump it. And so it, it just, when I, I, both times I saw that my reaction was just like, Oh, come on, <laughs> you know? And I think they tried to like, I think the writers tried to paper it over a little bit by actually like, you know, addressing it head on with, with, with Rafa's line of like, that's literally the worst thing you could have done at this moment, you know, which is a true statement, but and it was the same thing I was thinking, but I wasn't thinking it in a in a oh how funny we're on the same page. <laughs> no, that's all I got for part three. It's really interesting because I completely disagree in everything you just said. <laughs> um, but it's also from a point of view is I didn't view the episode in the same way that you did, and I felt they did a really good job of justifying everything up to that point. Um, because they didn't show up to a place with guns. They showed up to a place with fancy soldiers holding sticks, and they knew that they were meeting for a king. So it makes logical sense that they would have soldiers for a king to meet them because they're outsiders. Um, so and it's everything is so fancy. Like they're in these. I, I actually was like staring at the soldiers for a moment because they have like decorative face paint on. <laughs> Everything's super fancy. And Rafa dismisses everything, like she, and with with logic, saying that of course they're not slaves because the Republic wouldn't have that, and like, like every everything that you just explained of why it was a problem were all the things that that made me go, this is why it was justified up to that point, because at that moment everyone's panicking, as like they didn't even know that they were working for a crime syndicate until about two minutes before she dumped the spice. And so let's keep in mind also, they're all teenagers here. So of course they're gonna be panicking, you know, with Rafa having A manipulated her sister into this, didn't tell her that they were working for a crime right. syndicate, and then Ahsoka's the one going, They're gonna take your ship. <laughs> And right. we know what this ship means to Trace because she spent like two minutes at the beginning of the episode talking about how she built this thing from nothing. And it's literally all she has in this world other than her sister. So to me, like everything up to that point felt justified because Ahsoka, who has been the calm one, is now panicking because they're working for a crime syndicate and they have drugs on their ship. And when Ahsoka is the one that's going, they're going to take your ship. Of course, the poor 17 year old who just found out two minutes ago they're working for gangs and crime lords, is going to be like, wait, what? They're taking my ship, what? And so, like, I 
I, I at no point, like, I actually mostly blame this mm. on Ahsoka and on Rafa uh, for Trace's actions, because Ahsoka last episode was the one saying, do you ever question what your sister's doing? Do you ever get a say with Rafa? And, and Trace is the one that goes, I, she's my sister. She's always looking out for me. And throughout the course of this episode, every time that Rafa and Ahsoka both told Trace what to do, she kept saying them, stop telling me what to do. Because she's the pilot, this is her ship, this is her property. They're on her ship, not theirs. She should be the one that has a say as well. And she finally reaches this, like, snapping point of my sister, like, she's pushing back against her sister, who's then fighting with her and has clearly manipulated her into working for a crime lord that Trace didn't know about. And Ahsoka is the one that's telling her to question everything her sister's doing. So now she's questioning her sister because Ahsoka told her what to do. And they're both yelling at her like, this is what are you doing? So of no, course, I, her 17's going to snap and do something stupid. No, I, I mean, I know the, I, yeah, I know the like mechanics of how they, how they set it up. I just like, just on, on, on a wider level, you know, basically these like, these two girls have, you know, in the in the whatever amount of time in the around a couple years even that they've been providing for themselves, they're like in, you know, um, I'm trying to think of the, uh, the a name of of, of uh, any giant like city in India, you know. <laughs> It's like this they're they're in like they're in the lowest parts of the of you know a giant city which means like it's that that's just symbolically the most heartless place. So they've been providing for themselves for 2 years and even no matter how much Rafi can um um protect your sister from stuff i mean you can't be that you know that that level of of just kind of naive and why not because it's it's Im impossible you wouldn't make it two years you would be in some or you would it the, you, you i mean like that entire area there in that whole underworld of is just it's basically a predatory situation you're living in a predatory situation i mean uh, i know i know kids i know kids who were latchkey kids and they were crazy what's that? dangerous huh? what oh, i was just saying that 1313 is not actually that low that's not that crazy dangerous that's probably like upper lower class yeah, yeah. but it, like, like i i just I'll say like kids that I've known that have grown up in like urban, like in urban situations, like in New York city, you know, in, in one of the boroughs of New York city, they grow up fast, just living a regular lifestyle, you know, because everything's there. But if you're poor in New York city and you're poor without parents, like even like, I, you know, she's got her sister as a, as a barrier, but even just to, just to navigate and to, especially as a young girl in a situation like that, you have to, you have to be able to like read a situation, you know, read rudimentary, uh, uh, like, 
I mean, the, the, the situation of you have a ship with a cargo on it and it's your job to transport it from one place to another and it's worth, a, a, you know, you're getting a lot of money for it, which means that stuff that you have in your hold is worth, you know, many, 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 many times more than that. You would you would you would understand that enough and maybe think but of another way. She didn't know that. She didn't know that. And that's the thing is that like. But that's the thing is she could. I mean, that's I, that's no. something that like you can. Uh, she didn't know that until Rafa said that was thirty thousand credits. It, like she didn't know that. And and but, that's that's the but thing. But she understands. Commerce. She understands that they have a job transporting something from one place to another, and was just told that it's like, basically, like they're transporting coke, <laughs> you know. And yeah, I, I, I'm just saying. I, like, we need to understand also that like Rafa doesn't understand what she's getting into because she just thinks that they're doing this. I also big realized job. I called her Rafi a little while ago. You did, you did. Um, but that's the thing about Rafa is that Trey says this is their first big job, and I'm sure the Pikes prey on people like them who honestly oh, don't yeah. know what they're doing. Rafa doesn't know what she's doing either. She does, and that's the whole point of next week's episode is Rafa really realizes how bad she fucked up. Well, that's yeah, the they, they, we, we, we run into Rafa's wall in the second part of the, the this arc, you know, where... Yeah, yeah. and I think the reason that I don't let, let it go because I am trace. I was that person where I was just so oblivious to everything around me. I didn't realize that in college, my best friend was abused by somebody in our theater department and everybody ostracized my best friend because I was oblivious and I didn't find this out till last year, a decade later. Like I was that person. People can be that oblivious because I was that naive. I was just going through my oh. life, living my life, doing my thing. And that, that's why I'm like, and at the end of the day, like, should we hold a teenager accountable for an adult mistake? Oh, no, I hold I hold Trace accountable for it, for bringing her, you know, Trace should have, you, you, you know, if you're going to have if you're going to have someone doing something, you tell them what you're doing, they're doing so they know how to 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 react you and know not te- like I not telling her that didn't Rafa give her but like for the situation i'm i'm just saying that like if i was in a and there, there's also stuff like you know dumping stuff out of your spaceship while you're in hyperdrive Ooh. hyperspace oh. is doesn't sound like a very uh wise thing to do you know and and, and like where, where, where are those stories about like people having like pot and like the cash show up and they toss it out the window so it's not on them like it's common right you but know? they're not in hyperspace <laughs> they're not in between dimensions <laughs> what's the difference of throwing it out on a highway and throwing it out on hyperspace like what is that different dimensions you're not in a you're not you're not flying through physical space you're not you're not what whipping down the matter? food that's not the point of what i'm saying <laughs> I'm just saying it it always seems like a bad idea like you don't see people do things in hyperspace in Star Wars so it just seems so, like if she's protective I don't know I just they don't They did it th- in Rebels they dropped out of randomly out of hyperspace a lot there's like 3 episodes of that in Rebels I mean I un- like I understand all of I I think I understand all of what they're doing with their character I I 
I just get the impression that like this was a this was a writer's convenience that that like tipped ticked off a few important things for the story that I would have done like it 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 didn't it seemed like a writing construction to get I don't feel her character is wrong for being like she is I think I think somebody tried to work in her her uh, an illustration of her her naivete and age in with you know an important story element so that they didn't have to do it twi- do do two things to get there what would you have and done i don't think they di- i don't think they did it as they they usually do stuff like that extremely well on this show and this one seems is kind of awkward for me what would you have done differently i would have had um them get st- they could there could have been a pirate situation there could have been a hondo uh a nice hondo scene where hondo gets the spice and but what uh, would that do for their personal stories it, you could do the same thing you could have hondo get the spice because you could have it be the same thing because of trace's naivety she trusts him and he screws them over. Does Hondo do a so got a whole nother episode to write, though? Right, that's what I'm saying. I think there was more space to tell this story, and they tried to condense. I, I think whoever wrote this episode tried to condense a bunch of things into, you know, a, a bunch of two things and two for ones, so that the, they serve two narrative purposes or more, and it wasn't. It was a little awkward. It was a bit awkward for me. So, so you <laughs> only have the space me, of like, this 22 minutes. So in the space of this 22 minutes, you would set up the job, have them go to Kessel, no. have them have a pirate attack, then get to Kessel and deliver it? Like, like. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. And, and they, they, like, I don't know. I don't know what I would do in 22 minutes to do it. I'd have to think about it. But, I mean... That's the thing is it's not a lot of time to to do it and I have a feeling that that when they when they first planned this out they maybe planned it out to be longer and had to mush it mush it up. I'm saying whoever wrote this didn't do as good a job as they normally do. They do You know what the original stuff. ending was this going to be? Ahsoka would have ended back up on Coruscant under under the Jedi Temple in a Sith Temple keeping Palpatine out of a Sith Temple. Oh, that would have been uh, fun. But what? <laughs> I actually I actually think it's better that it that it goes the way it goes in in this. And I th- and the story takes an uptick for me after this. This it was it's this one episode and I think it's more of a it's a more of a writing thing than like anything about the characters in general. I mean it it is sort of the characters cuz the char- the writers write them. But like I I just remember like when when she dumped that cargo, I remember watching it the first time and and having the same sort of just like oh, oh it's it's just a little okay you know it, it it squeaked by with me and uh, you usually stuff like that I figure out afterwards when I'm thinking about it you know that that like oh they just covered two things at once and here I was like aware aware of it in real time. 
ties into the, like my bigger criticism of the arc is of the Siege of Manor lore creeping in. Because this really does kind of feel like... Because I, I kind of feel like it ends at a weird spot, too. Like, the ending is just like, oh, we're captured. Oh, no. Um, and then so much of next week's episode. Like, preview for next week's episode. I like the structure of next week's episode. I like that they start in one place and end up in the exact same place at the end of the episode. But they've all emotionally changed. I think that's a brilliant structure. My issue is still the siege of Mandalore creeping in on it and taking away that time. Well, yeah, it's like, if you're going to do all these different arcs, why not let them be their arcs? You're going to do the siege of Mandalore. So it's so, I'm also going to be a total hypocrite about it too, because I love Bo-Katan and Ursa. Oh yeah. No, it's it's so, it's such a hypocritical thing to say. Cause I both kind of like space whales. I love and hate the space whales. (laughs) I love it and hate it. Um, but yeah, like there, I, I will totally agree that this feels like it is trying to do a lot of things in it. I just don't have a problem with the actual action of dumping the spice and how Trace got to that point. I think it's completely justified between the first two episodes, and especially now with the also knowing next week that they've are real the whole purpose of this is ahsoka's learning about real people and the martez sisters are so in over their head they don't realize it yep yeah but i hear what you're saying i just disagree <laughs> Whew, it's been a while since we've had a heated one chris oh my god <laughs> that was heated i guess okay uh, not really <laughs> i ain't mad i ain't mad either um because i really do see what <laughs> you say I just don't, I just don't agree. But I see where you're coming from. Um, I I'm think coming other... from the land of bullshit. Yeah. Uh, my next note uh, is I actually really do love the morality of the story. Um, I, to me, that is actually the most interesting part because, like, Trace and Rafa finally have a big break and they've been working really hard to get this big break trace was like you know we've been taking odd jobs here and there we've been doing what we can and so like they have this huge break but it's not a good thing and then you have ahsoka being the moral compass who's there to destroy their first big break to get money and so really the entire situation is set up to be a no-win situation for anybody it's kind of like a light version of uh of um you know a lot of the same stuff that they have in solo too yeah a lot of the same ideas it's just a little less less um less like overtly you know mafia lethal but it's there but they don't do it in the same way you know there's it's not as bloodthirsty well not that solo is bloodthirsty but you know yeah it's the g and the pg version it's only bloodthirsty towards, you know, Tobias's team at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I mean... Val. Val, we had such high hopes for you. Um, because there, there's that one line from Rafa that I really, really, really love um, in this act where she looks at Ahsoka and says, we can't pay off debts with your morality. And I think that's a very telling line of kind of the summary of this entire episode of who really is Ahsoka to say what they can and can't do with their time, their ships, and their money? I mean, she's there to be a moral compass, but at the end of the day, how much should she have a say to telling these girls, well, give up this job and starve? 
because that's essentially what she's saying like oh you have debts to pay well this is bad so you shouldn't pay your debts and that complexity of the morality of this episode is like what i find so fascinating because really does ahsoka have the right to say well you shouldn't do this and not pay your debts and no, I don't not think- really but she doesn't really like she's 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 sort of there like i feel that ahsoka is like not gonna prevent them from doing stuff because they're free agents but she's definitely uh definitely gonna be damaged she's gonna be she's gonna be like i'll be the person who i would you know now that i can look back and see myself as a naive person i'll be the person who will i'll i'll cover their ass like you know i would have liked someone to cover my ass type of thing and anakin was the one that covered her ass she's their anakin yeah she's their anakin and obi-wan so but i i just like that line that little thought in line that they're walking um the actually you want to hear the one part of the episode that completely doesn't work for me Hmm. ahsoka mind tricking mark crim and surrounded by people staring at her Oh yeah, and talking out loud right next to Trace and stuff like that. And I mean, that's, that's the thing is Trace is so like unobservant. Like they're all though, like all the guards are staring at them. They're all staring at like she has like five people looking at her. So it's not just Trace; it's everybody in that scene. <laughs> um. So like yeah, like that's the one part that doesn't work for me. But I will say I enjoy seeing Ahsoka's growth because a few seasons ago she was struggling to use the mind trick and she almost got Rio Chuchi in trouble. So it's nice to see how much she's grown in her abilities. Maybe it's because he had a big head and it's like a big old like radio antenna, so it was a little easier to. He, he their faces are almost like a big satellite dish, so maybe it's easier to hit him with those old Jedi wave mind trick waves. Yeah, I, I, I like last... I like the scene where he's like shaking it off at they're like that's highly unusual. He's like shaking his head and like blinking his eyes like, huh? Yeah, I, I guess he, he actually goes, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I because I, I was trying to rationalize that scene as well. I was like, OK, so they see this girl talk to herself and lift her hand. Like I was like, you know, that'd be weird. But is it weird? And I was like, wait. Like, at the end of season six, fucking Obi-Wan and Anakin was running around the Pike Syndicate. Like, they were on Obadiah. Well, they, they also might be, they're, they're like, they're like high-level guards. They might be used to being just like, look, we let these guys do their business. This is weird, but, like, yeah. whatever. It's, I was trying, yeah, but, like, for, it, you know, he's second in command, so, okay. It's like in their first uh, encounter with a Jedi in the show, like, I, I'd be much more willing to let it go, but I was like, Anakin and Obi-Wan, like, ran around Pike World for, like, two episodes, like, last season, so they're familiar with Jedi and what they do, so. Yeah. Um, but that's all I have for this episode. Did you have anything else? Nope, that's all I had. All right, well, score it up, Chris. Um... I gave in Nate. I'm not saying this is a bad episode, but I, I definitely like there were some writing cringes in it. So th- this this might this might be my least favorite episode in in because I remember I I really liked the next two episodes a lot when I saw them the first time uh, for for visual and story reasons. So I'm I'm taking this one a little little low for me in eight. Um. For me, I I liked this episode so much more the second time through. Um, 
the entire arc really enhanced it for me. Like having the knowledge about their parents, like really enhances so much about this. I think the job, the show does a good job showing the morality complexes going on here. And it had so much depth and I continue to love the Martez sisters and God, Ahsoka's just tough, like stuck in a really tough place this episode. Um, I do just like the story of last week's a little bit better. I think it's a, I think it's a touch tighter, like personal character wise, but the story in this one is stronger to me. Um, so I gave it an 8.5 out of 10. Um, still not my lowest of the season. Uh, that was still Wings of Kiridak, which was fine. <laughs> so, as always, we would love to hear your feedback on iTunes, Twitter, or on the Two True Freaks Facebook page. Um, just since we haven't had feedback for like four weeks, um, I'm going to do some double up feedback the next week, a couple weeks, just to get us caught up. So this week, it comes from the Two True Freaks Facebook page and from Twitter for our episodes, Wolves in a Door and A World Between Worlds. Take it away, Chris. Okay, let's see who we got here. Who will be, would be writing us for Wolves in the Door? Why, it's Mr. Paul C. Kelly. There's one above that, Chris. Is there? Yeah, from Ghost Spectre 8 on Twitter. This is the episode where I farted really oh. loud at the beginning. Oh. I thought that was something Paul C. Kelly said. I don't know. I'm I'm out. I've been doing a lot of editing today. I'm You're totally butt. fine. That's what I'm here for, to make sure you get Heather's uh, uh tweet in there. All right. So the first one's from Twitter. It's from Ghost Spectre 8. And uh, this is the episode where Hope farted really loud at the beginning. Um, yeah, even louder when uh, when the editor can uh, boost up those sound levels. That intro is gold. Is that what you how you define gold? Can't wait Thank to you. hear the end bit. Oh, always listens to the end. Get it? <laughs> <laughs> but you gotta she, wait till the bitter end. She did actually message me. She was like, "I always listen to the end because I really love to see what it, uh, what outro Chris puts in after the credits." I sometimes it's just the normal ones, but you got I if I put something interesting in ever, like something you, you know, we have a sort of rotation of of end bits that, that are that are gold classics that we've used at the end of many two true freaks episodes over the years. Did but you yeah, see the one I, I sent you for uh from Gravity Falls that I used? I don't remember. I sent it to you on um on Facebook. But it's from the Boys Crazy episodes. And yes, it, okay, yes. It's several times just singing, Goodbye, girl! <laughs> that might be fun to use every once in a while. I definitely use that at the end of the Boys Crazy episode for Home Express Watch Cartoons. But yeah, like, originally that was just going to end up at the end and not at the beginning, but then we decided to leave it at the beginning. But I figured, we also, Dar Dario also listens, our friend Dario, who gives us candy, listens to the show and he also follows us. He listens to the show as he follows. He'll listen to the show twice, once to where he gets about halfway through and then nods out. And then he'll listen to the other half the next day when he's awake. But falling asleep, that allows us to <laughs> put nice loud things at the end to wake him up out of his slumber for just a few seconds. Anyway, now we get to Mr. Paul C. Kelly. Ooh, yeah. I wonder now if the Mortis gods have a stronger connection to Lothal than the other parts of the galaxy. Possibly Lothal was nearby when Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Ahsoka stumbled into Mortis. 
Either that or there are temples on other planets with Mortis passageways. I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, I, I think the second is probably the more accurate one. Um, but yeah, like, maybe there is a stronger connection with Lothal because they have Lothwolves and stuff. But I, There I seems think... to be something with deserts in the force. Maybe because it's full of sand and it gets everywhere, just like the forest. Yeah, no, no, no. I think, I think, I think, I think a lot of force. I, I, I think the force is a play. I think like the, the, they said something about you know they've always said things about how you know when um in the Force Awakens when Ray finally went to a planet with like <laughs> trees and stuff, all she could feel it with the force, and I think mm-hmm. places like that are stronger like with the force. And if you're hiding a Jedi, it's better to put them on the sand where they're where it's it's harder it's harder to find them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I totally know what you're saying. I was just making a dumb joke about sand. <laughs> it gets everywhere and it's coarse. Ugh. All right, now we got now we got ones from uh, World Between Worlds, and uh, the first one's from Allie about us wondering why Luke wasn't in the World Between Worlds. Uh, she said, "Ooh, I never thought of that. Maybe it has to do with the fact that for a lot of the show, Ezra is searching for that key to defeat the Sith, and at this point in the timeline, that had yet be, to be revealed to them. So, as a parallel, his voice isn't there. It's just an idea. I, I think that's a good possibility of an idea." Yeah. It could be the Force just hiding Luke from Ezra. Yeah. By the way, Allie, we love you. That's the Allie that was our guest a few weeks ago. Yeah, I remember. I yeah. remember. I know, but there, you know, she's not the only person in the world named Allie. <laughs> That's true. Okay, and our last letter comes from Diego Lemos. And he says, once again, Star Wars misused the word virgins. They like to do that. Anakin mm-hmm. is a virgence in the Force, and now the world between worlds is the virgence scatter. A virgence is a general direction of the effort that is folding a rock stadium. This is a very simplified way of putting it. Uh, <laughs> I rock, don't know if I get that. A rock stratum. Oh, a rock stratum. Oh, I, saw, I read rock stadium. I'm like, whoa, dude. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Um, I suppose that in Star Wars it means that Anakin and the world between worlds can control the direction in which the Force goes, be it light or dark. Sorry, but I'm a geologist, and this has always bugged me since the prequels. Wasn't the world between worlds in that Charles Soule's comic of Darth Vader, the one with Lord Momin? Um, just as a geologist, don't let George Lucas's abuse of words um, um, catch you, because... He probably just saw the word virgins and was like, "Ooh, I like the sound of that because it's not it's 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 a different word than say I I always took it as that that was Star Wars language, meaning a convergence in the force where like all all sorts of things run through one thing, you know, like automatically. And so it's connected to a lot of things. Lucas, this is like uh this was, I, I remember this note. This was brought up from um, the Tross Dictionary because the Tross Dictionary uh, describe a world between worlds as a virgins. Um, so this is a Tross thing, not even a George Lucas thing. 
Um, Diego, don't ever apologize for being a geologist because I learned something. <laughs> yeah, no, don't. I mean, obviously, George Lucas obviously walks around and just like look, sees a word he likes and and writes it down and uses it as like midichlorians are so close to mitochondria. Mm-hmm. And like there was even I think he took it from the sequel to. um um Oh, they just made a, a movie about it. Um, was it A Wind in the Door? Was that the first one? Uh, oh, um... A Wrinkle in Time. Uh, yeah, uh, A Wrinkle in Time. There, in the sequel to A Wrinkle in Time, A Wind in the Door, they, they, they find out that people's mitochondria and their cells are intelligent. And the, the little kid in it can go talk to mitochondria and help somebody with a disease. And... Uh, so I think he just remembered mitochondria from reading those books to his kids. And uh, I think he gets a lot of stuff from reading books to his kids and then just takes that word and and the idea of the word and then and then just warps it to his own uses, um, which you can do when you have your own universe. And then to address the second part of this about um, the world between worlds and Charles Soule's Darth Vader comic, um, I double-checked this, and I don't think it's supposed to be the world between worlds. My understanding is it was a doorway to a spiritual plane of the dark side, and it's just the dark side. It's not anything that has to do with like the balance of the world between worlds, and that's why when Anakin goes into, or I should say Vader, when Vader goes into this dark side world, everything is manipulated and twisted because it's just pure dark side world and everything is there to twist everything with his thoughts. So that was my understanding of it. And I double checked Wikipedia and that's what everything kind of confirmed about it, that it's not a world between worlds. It's like the dark side world. Um, But that's, that, that's, I, I personally never took it as a world between worlds either, but I can see why people think that because it definitely has that trippy feeling. <laughs> and also, I love Lord Moman. He's the best. I want more of him. Soul, please give him to me. Charles Soul, Chris, just hurt me recently with my grande boyfriend. And I am, oh, I love it. Because um, it turns out that after he died on Mustafar, somehow his spirit gets attached to a temple. And he is there to be a on-fire ghost for the rest of eternity. And he oh, fights geez. with Skywalker. And Vader shows up and he's like, even as a ghost, you failed me. And Grand Inquisitor is like, please free me from this spiritual pain. He's like, no, this is your punishment. And the Grand Inquisitor is supposed to be an on-fire ghost for the rest of eternity. And I cried and I love it. Charles Soule, keep hurting me. <laughs> uh, what are we going to eat this week? I don't know. There's a mis- Did you see this mysterious purple Kit Kat that just says A-R-E on it? A-R-E. I have a sweet potato one. A mysterious just purple. It's floating around in my box. It's very curious. It has two hands on it. Um, I have a sweet potato one. A-R-E. I have a gold one. I have some big bars. I don't think I have. Uh, unless maybe the sweet, because the sweet potato package is kind of. Oh wait, 
I have one with a bear on it. It says Ikinari Dango. Uh, so if you don't know what we're doing, um, our friend Dario sends us candy from all over the world to review, and today we're doing the Ikinari Dango uh, Kit Kats from Japan. And of course, Dario, we love you. Hope you're doing well. Say hi to the fam. Well, they're different than the cookie on the cover because they don't have like a little red layer inside. I don't know what they're supposed to taste like. Wow, they're weirdly sweet. They taste like, yeah, they taste like really sweet white chocolate. No, there's like a fruity undertone to it. Because you can kind of smell it too. Mmm. Mmm. There's something fruity around that tail end and I can't put my finger on it. But then it goes away. I to can taste more a little bear in there too, so. Got mm. that going for it. That's good. I know. I don't know what it is. It's almost a little banana-y almost. I know. That's why I'm kind of looking at the picture. But not really. Doesn't the picture look like a like a round like a half a round slice and it looks like it's banana and chocolate with a white coating? Mm. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's supposed it to be. It looks like some sort of two-layered cookie. Mm-hmm. With white, with a white frosting on it, mm-hmm. and one of the layers is sort of red or chocolatey or d- some sort of deep, deep color. You know what? We have the internet. <laughs> Ikinari Dango. Let's see what it is. Oh, ooh. Um, it's made of a chewy. A uh, steam confectionery made with a thick slice of yellow sweet potato topped with a layer of... I didn't open the link. <laughs> okay, let me actually open the link this time. Um, typically served warm, the Chewy Ikinari Dango is a Japanese steam confectionery made with a thick slice of yellow sweet potato topped with a layer of red bean paste wrapped in mochi dough. It's red um. bean paste. That's what I'm tasting. Oh, I wasn't, I, yeah, I did not pick that up at all. Mm. It, it's not quite because red bean paste is a little bit richer, but it does have that kind of like almost, almost fruity, flowery sweetness to it. Mm. But mm, mm, that was good though. Thank you, Dario. We love you. All right. Where can people find you, Chris? You can find me at twotruefreaks.com. That's our podcast web page <laughs> you can sign up for an rss feed for any of our fine podcasts there or you can even sign up for an rss feed that has all of our podcasts on it if you're a daredevil you can also sign up for our podcast on itunes and you can find us displaying our podcasts on facebook at the two true freaks podcast and talking about stuff that we talk about on our podcasts and other stuff at the Two True Freaks Cantina on Facebook. And you can also see what we're up to on Twitter when you, if you go to Two True Freaks on Twitter. And that's run by Gene, Gene, the horror radio acting machine. Do, 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 Gene. Yes, I'm, I'm going to say Gene will be starring in a Halloween surprise coming up in October that you guys should uh, check out. Which will probably be out by the time this episode comes out. Cause we're it pro- oh, yeah, it, it definitely, <laughs> will be, it definitely will be. It won't be long before it's out. So go see what Gene did. <laughs> yes. But that's where they can find me. Where can they find you? 
You can find me at JGuysAndJedi. I run our Twitter account. You can also find me at HopeMolinax on Twitter. I, of course, have my website, GeekyGirlExperience.com, where I write all sorts of reviews. I also have an Etsy store where I have made some cute little Pokemon merchandise. So look up uh, Geeky Girl Experience on Etsy, and you can check out my Etsy store, too. That'd be really awesome. Um, and me and Chris also have another podcast. It's called Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons. And at the time of this recording, we're about to start season two of Gravity Falls. So I'm very excited about that. Um, so, yeah. Something about these Martez sisters, man. Like we, these are much longer episodes than Bad Batch. <laughs> there's just a lot. There's a lot more going on character-wise. These episodes yeah. than the Bad Batch. Bad Batch was fun and like classic Clone Wars, and this it was just really bringing you back, problems. bringing you back into the swing of things. Yeah. So, all right, guys, come back next week, and we will do the next episode. All right. Bye, you guys. Bye. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. Dumbass. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Go home! Go home!